0: Well, welcome to part three of our series, Postures of the Kingdom. We're talking about various heart postures as talked about in the Beatitudes. Uh, Heart postures that Jesus talked about being of particular value in the Kingdom of God. As we look at these, we're seeing that there's a lot more to them than what meets the eye. These nine postures or these nine Beatitudes, if you will, are more than just nice sayings. They're indicators that God is present and active and working in our lives. These are the kind of things that that demonstrate that, that demonstrate his activity. Because as the kingdom of God comes, as the rule and reign of God comes, this is a reflection of that when these things are in our hearts. So let's begin by once again reading through the passage. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, so far in this series we've talked about the poor in spirit as those who who know that they are spiritually bankrupt without God and they have nothing to offer. They 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 don't come to God uh, on any merit of their own, but they're they're totally spiritually bankrupt without Him. We've talked about those who mourn, which is. Uh, means those who are broken over sin, and that's both their sin as well as the sin of the people. Uh, We need to repent. We need to repent of our own sin, but there's also a repentance needed for the sins of our nation. When Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, he's talking about those who mourn over or those who are broken over sin, both theirs and the sin of the people, the sin of the nation's. Uh, last week, we talked about those who are meek as well as those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, meek refers to those who are, who are humble and have their strength under control. Uh, we said that it, it, it's those who get angry at the right times and not at the wrong times. They get angry when they see injustice done to others when people are taking, being taken advantage of, just like when Jesus overturned the money changers' uh, uh, tables in the temple. And then we talked about those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice, and what that means. It's living uprightly before God and treating every human being with dignity regardless of their ethnicity, their gender, their social status, any other identifier. Every single human being deserves to be treated or is to be treated with dignity. So when we have a deep longing and desire to see God's rule on earth and to see justice across the land for all people, that's evidence that God is working in our lives. That, that, that's, that's what it means to be blessed there. That's evidence that God is working in our lives because he's the one that puts that hunger and thirst for justice in us and he's the one that fulfills it. Now, we're ready to continue with the next beatitude. Blessed are the merciful. Verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. This theme of mercy is one that we see all throughout the Old and New Testaments it it describes what the lord himself is like in lamentations chapter 3 says that the faithful love of the lord never ends his mercies never cease great is his faithfulness his mercies begin afresh each morning the lord is full of mercy and his mercies are new every morning he never runs out and this ties into the To the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit because those who are poor in spirit, those who know they are spiritually bankrupt without Jesus, also that know that they need mercy. They need God's mercy. We need God's mercy. The only standing we have is that which is in Christ. We have nothing on our own. And as the Lord is full of mercy, he expects you and I, he expects each one of us to live in the same way. Now, as we talk about mercy, one part of extending mercy is to extend forgiveness for those who have hurt us. The Expositor's Bible Commentary describes mercy this way. It says, mercy embraces forgiveness for the guilty and compassion for the suffering and needy. So it it, it embraces forgiveness for the guilty and compassion for the suffering and needy. The Hebrew word for mercy is hesed. It goes beyond just feeling sorry for someone. It has the idea of actually getting inside the other person, getting inside them and feeling what they're feeling, thinking what they're thinking, seeing uh, uh, life through their eyes. Uh, when the Book of Hebrews says that we have a uh, a great high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. It's because Jesus actually came as a human being. He came in a human body of flesh and blood. So he really does know what it's like to suffer. He really does get inside our skin, so to speak. He, he, he knows what it's like to suffer because he suffered in his body. He suffered physical pain, he suffered hunger, he suffered thirst, he suffered abuse, he suffered rejection, he suffered betrayal, he suffered abandonment, he was lied about, and he was slandered. And yet, as he hung on the cross, the culmination of all his suffering was when he uttered those liberating and freeing words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It was mercy that uttered those words. It was mercy that offers forgiveness. I mean, he could have said, Father, look at what they've done to me. You've seen what they did to me. You've seen how they rejected me and how they abused our love. Now pay them back in full. Pour out the fullness of your wrath on them because they deserve it. And if he would have said that, he would have been right. But instead, in mercy, he asked for forgiveness for us while taking our sin on himself and he thus suffered God's wrath in our place. It's mercy. And that's what he expects of you and me. That's what he expects of all of us. Micah 6.8 Says, He has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? If you ever want to, if you're ever wondering, you know, what, what what does God want from me? What is he asking of me? Here it says it right here. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's what he wants. That's what he wants from you and from me, from each one of us. And then James, James tells us this in James 1.13. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Wow, those are those are strong and powerful words. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. The amount of mercy that we receive is directly linked to the mercy that we extend to others in our lives. And remember, we said mercy offers forgiveness. That's a part of it. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And Luke 11, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he told them, pray like this. One of the things he said was, forgive us our sins as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Forgive us our sins as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. That's a wonderful thing to pray, unless we're withholding forgiveness from someone. Because then it backfires on us. Because if we're refusing to, give, for, to, to forgive someone else, then we're telling our Father, don't forgive me. If we're refusing to release forgiveness to someone, we say, no, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And we pray that prayer. We're saying, Father, I don't want your forgiveness. But we can say, well, they don't deserve forgiveness. But that's the whole point. Neither do you and neither do I. But God has mercy on us and he freely forgives us and he expects us to do the same for others. And when we do, when we forgive others, when we have mercy on others, then we know that he's working in our lives. So mercy extends forgiveness. Mercy also alleviates suffering. That's because it's the application of compassion. Mercy flows from compassion. See, compassion is when we are moved by God's love. We see someone that's suffering, we join in that suffering with them, we feel their pain, we're moved by God's love in that situation. Mercy, then, is the action we take to alleviate that suffering. Mercy doesn't assign blame. It doesn't find fault. Or it doesn't tell someone that, well, all the things they did wrong, that's what caused your suffering. You're you're in this situation because you did this and you did that. No, mercy extends a a hand of kindness and says, let me help. Doesn't worry about blame. Placing fault or blame or, or 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 anything like that. It's let me help. When we have compassion on someone, then we will extend mercy to them. Because mercy is the action we take to alleviate the suffering. So to be merciful. Is to have compassion on someone to the point where you're extending forgiveness. You're extending a hand of kindness. You're moving towards someone with a with a benevolent attitude. You're not increasing the distance between you and them. You're shortening it as you're moving toward them. We are living in trying times. They're difficult times right now any way you want to look at it. And it's times we need to learn to extend mercy. We need to learn to extend forgiveness. We need, we need to, 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 to learn what it is to reach out and extend a hand in kindness rather than raise a fist in anger. Now I'm not saying there isn't a ta- uh, there that there isn't a time for anger. We already talked about this. We touched on it last week. There is a time for anger when we see injustice. We should be angry when we when we see suffering and injustice. It's it's what we do with our anger that makes the difference between bringing resolution to the suffering and the injustice or just throwing gasoline on the fire. But that's for another message. So Today, as we talk about mercy, let's, let's apply this. Mercy and forgiveness go together. So to cultivate a heart of mercy, we must begin by allowing ourselves to see the person as God sees them with all of their hurt and all of their pain and all of their suffering. We must see the person as God sees them, and we must resist judging their motives. You know, often we think we know someone's motives, but we're wrong. Because when we look at someone and try to judge their motives, we judge through the lens of what we expect to find, which is coming through the filter of our own story, our own brokenness, our own offense, rather, through that rather than through the lens of their story, of their experiences the events and experiences that made them who they are. The more we begin to understand people, and even our own hearts, the more ready we will be to extend compassion and forgiveness, even in the midst of our differences. We must also be willing to extend grace. Now, grace doesn't mean that someone isn't wrong. Or hasn't done wrong. It just means we're not going to hold them up to a standard of perfection. A standard which we ourselves would fall so short of. We're going to allow them to be human. I mean isn't that what you and I want as we go through life. Trying to figure out all this crazy stuff. Don't you want grace when you don't get it right? Don't you want mercy when you find yourself stuck in a mess? So if that's what you want then be the person who lives and breathes mercy and grace to others. Because it's as you live it toward others that you'll find it coming your way. Blessed are the merciful. Because that's what they're going to receive. They will be shown mercy themselves. Came across a prayer for a merciful heart this week, and I'd like to just pray it now. So close your eyes and let your heart join in in this prayer. Sovereign Savior, I approach your throne of grace and mercy, asking that you touch my heart. Lord, grant me a merciful heart. Engulf and fill my heart with the type of mercy you gave. When Jesus died on that cross to save a lowly sinner such as myself. I do not deserve such a beautiful gift. But yet, you gave to me without question. Your love poured out as the precious blood of the Lamb flowed. So that we can have that same mercy. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now I want to give you the benediction from this is from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. And this is a prayer that I pray regularly over the church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We love you. We miss you. Have a great week. And before we go, let's join in one more song of worship together.